0: back now we did have uh Gord Stella scheduled as a guest but once we found out we could get Bruce Boudreaux uh we dumped Gord
1: <laughs> easy decision did Gabby did Gab, Gab, hear same. that did did
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no you do not look the same how are you Gabby uh,
2: dear. I'm doing good guys how are you we're good uh
0: Earlier in the show, we were kind of critiquing Sheldon Keefe a little bit, and I think he's he's kind of developing some media savvy. And I'm just wondering, Gabby, when you first broke in, were there things that you said that you may have wanted taken back? Is it is it is it something that you learn as you progress, what works, what doesn't?
2: Yeah, I mean, especially when you come from the American League to the NHL, where you usually have one reporter talking to you, and you you talk to him as if he's your friend, and then you come to the NHL, and especially Toronto, when there's 25 reporters there, and you got to watch everything you you say. You find out in a hurry what reporters you can sort of play with a little bit, and and what reporters you just got to say you got to watch um, everything you say because they'll turn it against you in a lot of a lot of the time. So uh, it's something that he's been there, you know. A year and a half now and uh, uh he's learning about it and and i'm sure he's found out which which reporters he can talk to and which ones he can't so we, we were discussing the uh
1: toronto Maple Leafs before you came on here and their improved play do you think they look like a different team has anything changed or is it just one of those things in hockey where maybe people were overreacting when
2: they were two and four overreacting in toronto no. are you kidding <laughs> no like, I laugh. Like, I mean, it was on last week. We're talking after game four, uh, the same thing. You know, I mean, uh, what's wrong with the Leafs? Well, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, the same thing last year, um, at the beginning of the year, Nylander, we've got to get rid of them, get, get rid of them for somebody. And then at the end of the year, you're, pra- uh, you know, singing the praises. I just think that, you know, it's a long season. And the first ten games are anybody's, uh, anybody's guess. Because the guys that don't score usually score in the first 10 games. Uh, it's uh, very rarely do to, to the stars really come out. The teams, the great teams really come out in the first 10 games and, and do something that they're going to be consistent through through the whole year. Um, I, I thought it was funny when, you know, I mean, because uh, we, we think Austin Matthews hasn't scored a goal as of this time last week maybe. And now, you know, uh, but they forget that he didn't have a training camp. He had broken his, his wrist, so he, I mean, his first few games were just getting ready. This is like his first scrimmages, so I mean, it was going to happen. Mitch Marner reminds me of a guy that uh, uh, takes so much to heart, and that when uh, things aren't going well, it really worries him. And and uh, he was he was you know uh, it was bothering him. And then once he got that that goal and a couple points, now he's back on track. Like. You knew he would. He didn't lose his talent. John Tavares is just a good leader. And when the things weren't going bad, who was the guy in charge? It was him. And, uh, and Nylander's just continued where he left off last year. At the end of last year, he's playing well. So I, I, I think we really overreact. We panic, and uh, um, you know when you're in Toronto. And that's. But I, I think the ship has righted itself, and I think they're playing uh, really well. Was was Ovi Ovechkin moody when he didn't get his cookies? Oh, well, yeah <laughs> you played with enough superstars to know how moody they can be. I mean if they don't <laughs> you know, I mean, if they don't get their goals, I mean, this is what puts food on the on the table for them and they're so used to doing it when it's not happening, um, they're you know, they're not happy. And uh these guys are uh, no different, you know, I mean, um, they start worrying, do I have it still? What's going on? You know, uh, they question themselves and, and then they read about it every day. So it's uh, uh, it's tough, but, I mean, they've got it going now. And, I mean, uh, you know, the next thing we'll, we'll talk about is, oh oh what happens when they stop scoring again? Is the rest of the team, they haven't scored a goal in, you know, X amount of games. What are we going to do? And it'll write itself there, too. Like, I mean, um, those guys will start scoring. The third and fourth line will start scoring when um, the first line runs into a hiccup. So how and much... the second line, I mean.
1: How much do you think it's on the coach to put those guys in a position to... Get out of slumps, uh, you know, starting the season looking to Mitch Marner, it's not going well, Tavares, it's not going well, and all of a sudden things start to click. It, do you believe it's like changing the lines up and power plays and stuff, or just, is the onus on the players themselves to just get it sorted out?
2: I mean, uh, it's a tough, not a tough question, but it, it, in the end, the onus is on the players, but the coach is going to try to do whatever he can do to get them going. I mean, he looks around and I, you know, I tell people that, I mean, it's up to the coach uh, to find out what makes people tick. That's his job. And everybody's different. And uh, uh, sometimes it's power play time. Sometimes it's just more time. Like, I mean, keep throwing them on the ice. Instead of giving them 17 minutes a game, give them 23 minutes a game. Um, sometimes it's taking ice time away and sort of sitting them a little bit and getting them really ticked off. I mean, that used to work more back in the day than it does now. But, I mean... That's still something that we got to look at, at. So, I mean, those are the things the coaches can do because, in the end, the coach needs these players to play well or he's not going to be coaching too long. So, clearly,
0: uh, Dave Tippett in Edmonton is finally doing something right with Connor McDavid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's finally got it. He's he, got, he you made know,
0: the right decision somewhere.
2: Uh, you can see with pen in hand him sitting behind a bench and going, if I play this guy a lot, good things <laughs> might happen. <laughs> Do just just
0: try not to trip him on the way out or just accidentally <laughs> yeah, step on his jersey.
2: Don't put the wrong kind of sauce in his spaghetti. <laughs> you know, I mean, geez, whatever it takes, don't screw it up. Yeah. Well, when I mean, you watch he's that He's a pretty amazing player. When you watch
1: that that Oilers team right now, is, is he good enough? Are him and Dreisaitl good enough to bring that team to to real cup contender status, or is it once again sort of the, the McDavid-Dreisaitl show and, and not much else?
2: Well, I mean, those two guys are obviously the top, but, I mean, I think uh, we could all agree that they're getting more help from the, the other guys For this sure. year than, uh, than I've seen in the past. Can they sustain it? I don't know yet, but uh, um, if they can sustain it and get production – from a third line, I mean, I think their defense and their leadership group, uh, they're all getting better. I mean, uh, as far as, like, Nurse is getting better. He's still a young-type young young defenseman. uh, Duncan Keith's gone in there. I think he's helped them a lot with the maturity of that defense. Tyson Berry feels comfortable back there. And, like, the big question always in Edmonton is, can their goalies sustain it? And, uh, um, you know, I mean, Smith was, was great at the beginning and then Koskinen's came in when Smith got hurt and he's done a really good job. Now, he's never been able to continue it going, um, but, you know, is this the year that he does? I think no matter how good Connor and Dreisaitl are and, and, you know, I think the addition of Zach Hyman obviously has been a, a huge help to those guys, but uh, if the goalies can continue to play at the level they're playing, there's a chance that they can... They can be as good as they are now. If they don't, I mean, I've seen great teams with bad goaltending, and if they still go nowhere,
0: yeah, we won't mention that Zach Hyman's on a on a pace to what score 57 goals. <laughs> we won't mention that no. at all in this area.
2: No, no, that... no, no, I don't think uh, I don't think they like that if you speak it too loud in the area you're in right now. because uh... Nick Ritchie, Nick Ritchie isn't really replacing him, you know.
3: Ooh,
0: when you no. when you um when when you see where the cap is today is is it just one extra body that can make all the difference in the world to two or three guys like a Zach Hyman in Edmonton?
2: Well, I mean it's like a puzzle, and Zach Hyman's a perfect fit, just like he was a perfect fit in in Toronto. Um, so I mean it's a uh, you know one guy can make a big difference. I mean they may not be the the stars of the line but they could be the glue that holds the line together and and I think you see it in Edmonton I think you see it see it uh, uh here in here in Toronto you know
1: just thinking about uh interactions and trying to get star players going and all that I'm curious your thoughts on goaltending and you know here in Toronto the Peter Mrazek situation is an interesting one they're sort of torn between I guess you ride Jack Campbell now, but I guess my question would just be about how a head coach deals with goaltenders. How involved are you in asking them how much do you want to go? How much rest do you need? How much input do you take with goaltenders when you're trying to make a decision for usage on guys?
2: Well, if you ask them uh, about playing time, they'll want to play every night. Okay. 80 games, eight, back-to-back, 80, 80 straight days. They'll all want to play. I'm good, coach. I'm good. I'm I'm fine. Um, just don't let me practice and everything will be good. But in the end, you, you need, you need, the uh, uh, you know, you, you need two goalies. And, and what I would do is I really let my goalie coach, um, talk to the goalies. They're the ones that have the rapport all the time. And we know, like at the beginning of the year, I bet you they would have said, geez, if we could get 40, Forty out of these guys, or forty-one, forty-one. Or if you've got a, a number one and you you want to get him some rest, it's like fifty-five, twenty-seven is an ideal kind of uh, thing. But I mean, um, you know, there was many years where Jack didn't play much at all. And uh, I think, you know, for a guy that was taken eleventh overall, he's he's and on a contract year, he wants to prove himself, and he's been playing uh, outstanding. What the 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 negative por- portion of that is is if um if you play him too much and he gets hurt then what happens so i mean you got to weigh the two i think between each other
0: okay gabby without uh, embarrassing anyone and we won't mention names but how many how many teams in in your coaching career where you absolutely hated the
2: backup goalie oh my god <laughs> um <laughs> Um, sometimes it wasn't the backup that I hated. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Okay, more than one then, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 a couple times. There was a, there's was. there been a couple years that, uh, and they probably hated me too. So, I mean, uh, um, but, you know, all coaches, we, we love everybody if they stop the puck and you, and you help us, help the team win. Um, that's. I don't think anybody's personality is. It comes into play in that scenario, but uh, uh, there was a couple. Couple teams I played on. That boy, if I could have got a save, uh, you know, just one. One save a game, I might still be coaching. Um, so I'm not saying what team that was on, but uh, you figure it out. <laughs> um, but here, here we uh, are. But, uh,
0: Gabby in in Toronto with Michael Hutchinson coming in and and not a lot of people have a lot of confidence in him. He is the third goalie. Uh, He hasn't fared well when we've seen him, but you have to go to him. You can't just stick a kid that's never played in the NHL with maybe average to above average numbers in the American Hockey League and just put him in for the sake of putting him in. Can
2: you? Well... You can if you think he's better than the the guy. Look at uh um when St. Louis uh they had I think uh when Bennington came up he was the fourth goalie. Yes. And the third goalie got hurt, so they, they brought him up and then the rest is history. Uh I mean they're watching the Marlies every day. If the if the and usually in the American league you you do a lot of um fifty fifty goaltending and if the one guy who's not supposed to be as good as the other guy is, is better, they will bring him up. And on the same token, they, they signed Michael Hutchison as the number three to be the number three. So, I mean, um, it, the, you know, they've got the faith in him. They've got to give him the opportunity to the point where, Hey, listen, the players don't want to play when this guy's playing. Nobody wants to play. We we're behind the eight ball. And I don't think that's, that's happened. I mean, um, so I mean, he's uh, he's had some pretty serviceable games in his career, but uh, uh, give him a chance. He, he, and you got, because you can't go with the same guy for 82 games anymore. The the days of Glenn Hall playing every game or 502 straight games are over. I think
0: somebody will come close to that. No,
1: <laughs> I'm
2: guessing no,
0: no, no, <laughs> no. You know no, that that record will never be broken. No, you're you're absolutely right. I know this for sure, Gabby. Gord Stellick backs you up. You are the starter on this show.
2: <laughs> hey, no, no. I don't even have anything funny to say about Gord. I, I said I said something behind, uh, behind um, closed doors while we were on commercial the other day, and he hasn't talked to me since. So I love Gord. And I'm going to only say good things for, about him from now on.
0: Me too, starting now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you starting resetting that clock now. a lot. All right. Bruce Boudreau. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy your uh, stints on NHL Network, pal.
2: All righty. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys soon.
0: Yeah. Not everybody loves their backup goalie.
2: What are your
1: thoughts on, like, uh, treating a goaltender like a a player? As in, like, you got to battle through it. Sometimes you just got to show up, even if you don't feel your best. Like, I feel like goaltenders are so protected, but, like, NFL quarterbacks are so protected, and for a reason. Are they closer to NFL quarterbacks or real players? Oh, they're they're real, and no matter how much
0: they try to give you the impression that uh, they want them protected and... Guys want to play. Yeah, just want to play.
1: There are some veteran guys, some yeah. guys who've been around the league who I think are pretty comfortable taking skates off and playing 50 games, but...
0: At the end of the day, they're just big targets <laughs> for shooters. Who needs them anyway? Right?
1: We should go to no goalies.
0: And you know how I feel about them. Nobody... Pays to go see a goalie.
1: Oh, I'm anti goalie. If we can establish our show as the anti goalie <laughs> show,
0: that would be fantastic by me. I think I think we're off to a decent start yeah. right let, now with less this conversation. Equipment. Yeah,
1: exactly. Less equipment, and no one can leave their crease. How about that? It's probably. Oh a, no 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 idea. no no.
0: Leave your crease.
1: Oh yeah, let them out there. Oh full, full yeah. yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now why? we're violently anti goalie. Like you're
0: fair game yeah you want to go play a puck did it am i out of my game. mind
1: or was that not the case When i feel like when i was younger if the puck went behind the net and the goalie went to play it i felt like you were able to hit him or maybe not hit him but you're able to get a piece uh, yeah and then um
0: and then bigger tougher defensemen and uh like, like three heavyweights <laughs> came along in the no 80s and the, the 90s. goalie anymore and our next guest is one of those guys. Yeah, good point. Uh, good point. Rick Tockett joining us now and talk. We're, we're talking about the evolution of when a goalie was a fair game and when he was not. And I, it had everything to do with how tough the other, the other team was.
3: Nick, didn't you? I thought you didn't you run a goalie one time. Like I think you ran. <laughs> I, remember, I, I remember a highlight. Yeah, you just like, did t- you tattoo the
0: guy I on forget. a on a couple occasions? Yeah, I, I took a. <laughs> uh, I know
3: one for b- sure. B- but, b- yeah, we're uh, not
0: talking grand fear because that one was kind of like a, a crease crashing scenario. But behind the net yeah. was when you could really come through on a goalie, on a four check where he decided, and I, there was one night I, I just steamrolled Darren Pupa in, uh with the Buffalo Sabres, and that that turned into like a three-and-a-half-hour game. Now, <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Now, did you, were you ever like a goalie guy, or was it just everybody else?
3: No, I wasn't really uh, much of a goalie. Listen, you know, you can have on the fortune. The, the goalie's that they're smart, right? Broder and all those of guys. Like, you know, they would, they would, you know, they lean India sometimes because, you know, you try to, you try to be the F1, you try to four track on that. And they stay kind of outside the post that you have to go around them. Yeah. At time you, you give a goalie shot, but I've never really ran a guy like a, like a Nick Kipris or Bob Probert style. No, I've never done that, <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, well, it's like, I'm sure you guys talked the other night uh um the other night there uh forget the guy who hit the goalie there um I mean I I got Rance Rance got run there but I mean how was that a penalty I mean I Yeah, Lambert, right? He got a major. Yeah. 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 We are I have a tough one. I, I have a tough time with that one.
0: We are talking talk a little bit about uh the backup role and how important it is and you've played with it, yeah. you've coached with it. Uh the the confidence that you have to have in in somebody uh, Jack Campbell, no question, is the number one goaltender here. But it was really painted as a 1-1-A scenario with Peter Marazic. That hasn't happened. And yet now a lot of people, uh, you know, in, in the Toronto area talking about too much pressure on Jack to be depended on now. He's also had a history of being hurt. And, of course, not many people having confidence in, in Michael Hutchinson. But how many scenarios did you have that you remember where, you know, people did not have confidence in their goalie
3: depth? Well, you listen, you can feel it, right? Uh, you know, when, when you're the number one goalie and uh, and you're the backup and, you know, you're getting very sporadic games and you're getting the games that, you know, the whole the whole team feels it, right? The, the poor gap, the backup guy feels it. So um, it's just a, it, when you can have that guy, like I'll be honest, when I was in Arizona, I had Kemper and Rance. Uh, when Ranter was healthy, um, I mean, I thought he was the best. You know, unfortunately, he always gets hurt, but he was the best backup, I think, in hockey for 20. You play him 30 games. I mean, this guy's going to get you like 15, at least 15, in, in 20 wins because he's just a solid guy. He, can, You know, he can't extend that because he'll get hurt. Uh, he has a history of getting hurt. But uh, that's the, the, the key. And then when you get a guy that's a really good goalie, he loses that backup safety net or he doesn't have a really good one. That pressure does tighten. Uh, their play gets a little bit, it lessens a little bit. That's another tough one. So having that safety, that you know, when you have a really good backup, really helps the you of the number one, but also your team. Talking, I know you're
1: coming on here. I, I was thinking about things that are, you know, good questions to ask you, and I want to ask about physical play and its importance uh, farther down the lineup because the Leafs are a pretty good hockey team. Their, bottom, their fourth line right now has Jason Spezza at center. Their, their third pair has Lilligren and Sandine on it. You know, it's a, sort of a different way to construct a hockey team. Do you think you can have success with a team that kind of has the, the bottom guys with skill and not
3: toughness? Um, it, it's a tough one for me because you can get away with it in November. Um, you start getting to March and April. Uh, you, you know, you see, you know, you, you, you know, you see that a t- lot of teams more often, obviously, in the playoff series. You know, it gets obviously ramped up the physical play, the, the battle levels. So, um, you know, I'm I just going off when we won back to back in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, our bottom line, we didn't have a physical physical team where, as of hitting, but we had some guys that were really good in the corners, um, really quick on the puck, guys like that. So, uh, I think you got to be careful um, at what type of guy, or, like. What time to construct I mean, obviously, everybody wants the hybrid. A guy can do both. Hard to find. Um, but there's nothing worse if you have a bottom lineup, a, a, a slow, physical guys, because I think it's really tough. You have to have that quickness. But um, the guys that can win puck battles for me are the guys that especially are going to be successful in the playoffs. you got you to win puck battles. And if, if that means you got to separate yourself with a guy with a hit or you have to um, use your quickness, Either way, you just got to make sure, especially late in the year, you got to come over those battles.
0: But you did have heavy guys back there, if I can recall, maybe Ian Cole. Um, You you did have guys that could really lean on people and physically kind of manipulate, you know, forechecks and paths.
3: Yes, and and that's what I mean. Like, the the forechecking is so big, you know, that in in, in the bottom of the line of, if they can, if you can be a good four check and bottom lineup that comes up with loose pucks and puck possession and wears the other team down, it's the it's the bottom bottom of the order that it's one and done. And that, that that's a tough toll on the star players because, you know, they get out there um and they're going against guys that are still fresh. Like I know we had a lot of guys in the you know, Cullen and Benino and those type of guys and then you had Ian Cole, Ben Ludroy, those guys. They were really good at coming up with loose pucks and, and holding on to the puck. So when Sid and Gino and those guys got out there, you know, the other team was worn down a little bit. So, you know, it's important that you get players that can wear down the other team so your star players have a little bit of room and aren't going against fresh guys. I mean, it's really what it comes down to that.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. So how much do you believe, like if you're the head coach, that you coach to the talent you have on the team, like coach the actual personnel versus coaching the system you want to play with kind of no matter who you're given, uh, which way do you lean as a coach?
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can go on with a blueprint. Here's my system, mm-hmm. um, and, there's, and you know you're going with this team. This you got to look what you have, and then you got to, you know. Obviously, I think I, I, Mike Stone. We used to talk about this all the time. I like, my, I love Mike Stone. We used to say, you know, and even John Torella, 85 Eighty-five, ninety percent you worry about your team, and you know and the other, the other part of the other guy, the other team you worry about ten percent. I'm a big believer in your own team. So once you got a new coaching job and you walk in. I'm not sure you can go into a coach's um interview and say, Here's how the system I think you can give them you know an eighty percent blueprint, but you gotta see what kind of team you have. You know, what kind of players you have, um, you know, which way you're gonna go. Like there's some teams now in the league that they um, they gotta play a little bit better defensively if they wanna go far in the playoffs, you know. Um, and I think that so you have to kinda yeah, you have high skilled guys that could score. Uh, but you better buckle down and structure uh, defensive structure, and I think you have to tweak that depending on your team.
0: Okay, talk. Get ready. Here it's coming. Gretzky, Lemieux, or McDavid.
3: and <laughs> would like an order.
0: Who who are you picking? One game to win it all.
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I think. I, I, I think. Well, I, listen, stop I, it. I, oh.
0: Just stop right <laughs> well, on.
3: Oh. You go on just pedigree. Like, you know, you go Gretzky, Lemieux, you know, one A, one A, or one D, or whatever. You know, McDavid's gonna be number three for me. It's just because uh listen, Connor McDavid's unbelievable. Don't get me wrong, but you know, the you know, you got to see the pressure of the games and stuff. And you know, I'm not saying it's McDavid's fault, but you know, you're 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 scoring in game sevens and or you know, in an 87 Canada Cup, or you know, Gretzky's getting five points in a game, you know, seven against Calgary Flames and you know, things like that. That's what. That's why I got to give those guys 1A, 1B. And then obviously, but I love McDavid, don't get me wrong. I just got to see him in pressure situations.
0: Okay, just skill, just pure skill, because someone asked me about. Okay. Is, is, gotcha. is, uh, is, and we're all based on that incredible goal, which I thought kind of compared to Mario going through Sean Chambers with the Minnesota North Stars, we all can remember that goal if, you know, you're either our age or. Ah, everyone should Google. have seen it. But when when I when I talk about pure skill, I, I think of like Gretz had a different game. Gretz didn't have the physicality of, say, uh a, a Mario or or McDavid. The only, the only thing I think that's different for me is that talk. I, I look at McDavid and he's got this this fast twitch muscle group that uh, even Mario didn't have, but Mario of course had a lot of other things that are comparable, but as far as a, a fast twitch, I, I don't think there's anybody in the world that could ever have competed against McDavid in that category.
3: Yeah, I know what you're getting at. So anything off the rush, anything where you're off, the, like obviously McDavid is the guy like it, I don't think there's a better player ever off the rush. A guy just pure, um, like, I bet you if you timed him just skating without the puck and then with the puck, I bet you there's not that much of a difference. You know, you, you've, you're putting you know, players like us, it's like probably three seconds difference because he just pushes the puck. It's effortless. Marilyn you all around game of, of just skill, the way he hash marked down off the rush, the way he can knock pucks down, the way he passes, unbelievable. And then for me, Gretz with the hockey IQ. The way he thinks the game, the way you know, for a guy that's small to be able to do- dominate the way he did, um, he's the best. So, if I had to pick those three characters, I mean, every single guy there has got something special that nobody ever has or has or never had uh, up to this point.
2: You know,
1: obviously, we're going some big picture ideas with you here, and it's uh, you know always fun to have a, a coach on the show with us. So, what, one of the follow-ups I had to an earlier question is: Is does any team in the NHL play different? Like you're scouting all these teams. You say you pay attention to other teams yeah. less than your own. It seems to me like everyone's playing pretty much a lot of the same structure. Is there any team out there that's truly Great. doing it differently?
3: Great question. I I, I I talk about this all the time. Every, it's a copycat league. Everybody does 85 to 87% the same. It's that 13%. Like how do you deal with players? How do you practice different? Um, what's your philosophy on uh, meetings? Um, is there is there a different way you activate your defense uh, on the, in the in the O zone? Um, uh, do you want your how far do you want your F, your F three in in the offensive zone? Do you, do you play them deep? Do you play them lower? Like that's the the thirteen percent for me, the ten percent. Um, you know what? How do you deal? You know the you know like I said, which is I think is huge is the relationship with your players. Um, that's to me. So yeah, you know the question is yeah, I would say eighty seven percent of the teams do the same thing. Yeah.
0: Well, and we watched a struggling power play with some of the most talented players in the game today, and uh, the emphasis was this bumper position, I think, because of Tampa Bay, because of Braden Point, and as soon as Mitch Marner kind of took the shackles off of that, being that guy, guess what? His game improved dramatically.
3: Yeah, like, well, that's the whole thing, right, next. Everybody wants, like, the, 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 the problem with talented guys on power plays that don't work sometimes, everybody wants their spot. You know, everybody has to have their spot. I mean, I want to be the flanker. I want this. And the best power plays are guys don't care. Like, City Crosby, you know, the odd time you'd actually get mad at Gino once in a while because Gino likes playing that left slot, The one, I mean, the, the flanker position, the one-timer. And Sid will play down low. He'll play in the bumper. He'll play the other side. Um, and if you look, at McDavid and Drysaddle, they're everywhere. is mm-hmm. in the bumper. He's down there. The one goal he scored the other night, he would, uh, we, we actually analyzed it on TNT. He was in three different spots, and he ended up getting the goal because, um, you know, he doesn't care. He, you know, if McDavid moves here, he moves there. If uh, this guy goes, you know, uh, Hyman goes down low, he'll play the, the, the bumper position. So I just think the best power plays are willing to play at any position. Obviously, Odetskin's different. He's an anomaly he's going to play that side is, 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 you know, she's the best one of the best. He's probably the best pure goal scorer ever. So you want him at that one timer position. But other than that, teams that move their guys around, um, and, and they're in sync are the best power plays.
1: You, you mentioned meetings, uh, and stuff talk. How much, uh, do you let video and analytics and all that stuff get to your players versus just letting them be hockey players?
3: Yeah, that's the fine line. Um, I don't like long meetings. Um, and I'll tell you what I learned that in Pittsburgh because I ran the power play in Pittsburgh. I remember going in there early on as a, you know, uh, you know, uh, as a coach there, as an assistant coach. I ran the power play, and I remember I started doing all these fancy whistles. Yeah. Um, and I watched uh, Malcolm. and he, he's Malcolm's looking at his watch. He's looking at his feet. He's biting his like I knew. All right, meeting's over. So you maybe you maybe get guys for about five minutes of really good attention, and then that's it. And then I'm not saying you can't have, you know. A bunch of them. It's just got to be quick. And I always thought the more video you show of your team doing stuff instead of the other team. I, I think the worst thing coaches do is they'll do a pre-scouts for 12 minutes and they show the same thing. Okay, this team does a one-two-two, two, and they're showing like you know Carolina played Buffalo, and you're you know of the game before, and you're playing Carolina, and you're like, okay, this is what they did. Well, we know it's a one-two. We we know how to play against 1-2-2-4 two, two, check. We don't have to show that to the players all the time. Think of something else, you know. Like think of uh, new ideas to, to, to play Carolina that night. Is there a different way? Give them fresh ideas. And I think you only, it only takes to me a pre-scout should be less than five minutes. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, Nick, you played the game. You sit in a you sit in a room more than ten in a hot video room uh, before a game. You're like you know you're checking out. So I think the players nowadays give them some quick. Ideas, give them a, you know, the, the, the lineup, what the team's doing lately, who's hot, and then let the guys go play. Oh, my God. How
0: many times do guys scream in practice? Turn
3: the page! Turn <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, Turn the page or turn the video off. I mean, yeah. who wants to watch video all the time? Like, you know, I'd rather practice it than show it all the time. Are, are you okay
0: now with the evolution of, of other things like tablets on the bench you come back you pull a tablet out you're staring at it you're not even watching the game uh are, are we all as parents to blame for it because we stuck them in their hands at age <laughs> six because we tried to just shut them up
3: i think they the tablets should be uh a lot I, I, the tablets are, are ridiculous they're crutches i hate them um I, it's funny because some of the i remember I, I, at johnny mack like I, the poor guy he was uh, johnny mcclaren's my sister's coach I mean, one game he was just all he did was pass the tablet around. I go, all you are is a professional tablet passer. You know, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, guys, guys miss the net. They want to see the, they want to see it. <laughs> what are you going to see? You miss the net. What, why do you have to at the tablet? Um, I hate the tablet. I hate. It. I know the technology's big nowadays, um, but that tablet to me is just useless. I hate it. And if, if, second of all. Who talks to their teammates There's a line? Right, you come up, I remember I was playing with Mario and Kevin. They come up. Mario. Hey, listen, you got to go here, and Kevin's yelling at this and do this. And imagine if everybody's had their own iPad, and I just look at my iPad and I just look at what I'm doing, and not communicate with your team teammates. Um, yeah, not a, I'm not a tablet guy.
0: No. See, it's a it's a good thing I'm not playing today because when I got benched, I I was forced to play poker, on the clock. Now, yeah, I could actually pull a tablet out and 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 do,
3: you know... Watch, you say- watch Netflix. Watch the old <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean,
0: seriously. on on Sportsnet now. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm with you, man. I'm totally with you. It's out of control. Hey, watch the game and just figure it out. That's all.
3: Yeah, yeah and I think, like, listen, yeah, I, I know Old School News School, and I, and I understand, and some guys want it, and you got to conform to it. Like, I guess the other thing is, because, like, you know, you, you want your, you know, listen, guy you want guys to run the room, but the other thing I would do, if I ever got back and I'd like to talk to a leadership group is, can you at least turn the, the music off like five minutes before warmups? Because all teams have the music going right to warm-up. Um And I don't know if I could play nowadays because, or if I was a captain, I'd say, man, we got to have at least five to six minutes of just us, the guys in the room before, you know, you, 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 know, you go for warm up because that's the best time in hockey, you know, Talking to your teammates, hey, mm-hmm. we're playing this guy. You know, cutting the guy up, joking around, because um, everybody's got you know the headphones in, and it's a, it's really individualized sometimes. And I think sometimes, you know, and I and I understand you have to have it. I just think there's just got to be a little bit of compromise.
0: Totally. Hey, of- next time you come on the show, don't don't sugarcoat things. Just tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> No, yo, you know Nick,
3: I'll never sugarcoat it. Oh, I love you it's for good. it, Talk.
0: Absolutely love it. For, uh, love you for it. I really appreciate the time. Okay, guys, have a great one. Three-time Stanley Cup champion Rick Tockett, TNT hockey analyst. He is so good. I cannot believe he is not on a bench. Well,
1: he will be in ten minutes. Okay. Yeah.
0: We saw a Chicago fire uh, Colleton. Okay. Hmm. That guy, JB, never stood a chance. Threw him to not, the Wolves, didn't they? Not from day one. You have got Stanley Cup champions in that ro- on that roster, and they had one of the best in, in Joel Quenville. And then you, you go to a guy who it just, it just didn't work, it would, never stood a chance, like I said. And he may be a, a good one one day, but the sense was right from the get-go that he was hand-picked by Stan Bowman to be a guy that you can help along. Whereas Joel would look at Stan and go, some nights, just leave me alone, get out of my room.
1: Well, you're actually bringing up an interesting thing that's happening in sports. Like, with all due respect to Charlie Montoyo part of the deal here with the Blue Jays is that Atkins and Sh- Shapiro can have someone who will do what they want him to do, right? Like that's part of the, the, uh, the deal. And I think that's, there is more of a po- Sheldon key for Kyle Dubas.
0: Why, yeah, why do you think uh, Babcock's gone yeah. and Lou's gone?
1: You know, Keith will play the guys that Kyle also wants to play. So like we're moving in an era where general managers aren't building a team and handing a team off general managers are building a team and hiring a guy who will optimize how they see their roster sammy you agree did we lose sammy is he in bed he's nyquil d he's got a (laughs) neocitrin and a nyquil at the same time he's a nighty night he is nighty night (laughs) he is the the, the tablets thing killed me by the way from talk it it was awesome well it was awesome now you you're a tablet guy no I'm with them. You're you're with them. I'm with them. What, what? I mean, there are times where you could maybe see some sort of defensive rotation you missed, but unless it informs you for the next time, am, uh, in between periods, that's what a, yeah. a period break is for. The no music thing, fascinating go. too. You know, like it, he's not wrong. You sit there with your buddies and give each other a hard time, and let's go tonight, see, fellas. I, I
0: didn't even know that. I didn't even know that they're playing music, r- walking uh, through the door nonstop. See, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, and a lot of guys with the headphones on, different different day and age. Totally. Damn, that was a kids. fun show today. Good really stuff, really enjoyed it. Yep.
0: Thanks to all our guests. Sammy, wherever you are out there, we hope you're feeling better. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Real Kipper and Born, right back at you tomorrow. Sportsnet 590, The Fan.